Midday Treat with NAZ Elite, a monthly podcast in which I chat with Hoka NAZ Elite team members, and you'll get a behind-the-scenes scoop on their training, racing, and everyday lives. I'm your host, Eric Sensman. You can find our monthly podcast on SoundCloud uh, by searching Hoka NAZ Elite, and you can learn more about the faces behind the team uh, by visiting their website, nazelite.com their Facebook page, Northern Arizona Elite, or their Instagram and Twitter, both at NAZ underscore Elite. Boston Marathon since the race is coming up on Monday. Uh, we talk about Ben's experiences at the race. We discuss how that's informed his training plans for two of his athletes, Scott Smith and Kellen Taylor, who are running the race on Monday. And then we talk about the, the course, the fields, uh, the tactics, um, how to prepare for, for all those things. So um, largely, yeah, just a big Boston Marathon episode. And um, we compare Boston to some other races. So uh, for all those Boston Marathons uh, fans out there, sit back and enjoy. So I'm here with Coach Ben Rosario uh, for this month's podcast. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. We're we're in the podcast studio, which happens to be in my uh, back room. So that's right. It was pretty easy for me to walk, uh, basically straight from an app uh, over into this room, yeah. and now we're doing the podcast. Not a long commute. It's very Not a long commute. Very, I can uh, see where you started. Very convenient for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah that works. Um, so uh, Boston Monday is a few days away now. So. We're going to talk about Boston. Let's do it. Um, what's your history with Boston in terms of oh. participating, yeah, being good, there? Good question. Well, you know, Boston is one of the first marathons I remember watching on television. Yeah. Technically, the very first running event I remember watching on television when I was a little kid was the New York City Marathon on NBC in my parents' bedroom. I remember, for whatever reason, just sits with me vividly. Huh. Um, uh, but of course, I remember watching Boston as well. Particularly, I remember Kosmas Deddy from Kenya winning three times in a row. I remember watching those races. I was a sports nut. Like, whenever sports was on TV, I would watch. Sure. But I did find myself enamored with running for whatever reason. Right. Really early on. Um, even before I ran on any kind of team or anything like that. Sure, sure. So what what years were, was that three-year span? That was the what, early 90s. Early 90s. Yeah, okay. so I'd been like 10, 11, 12 right in that range 13 but you, but you weren't running too no, much no i didn't really point. start doing okay. it i mean certainly not when i was 10 uh, i remember i started running maybe like uh, yeah 12 or so middle school 6th grade 7th grade 8th okay. grade uh, but i had already watched some stuff on tv and uh, so i knew i liked it but but anyway boston always seemed like what it is which right. is this huge deal yep. um so of course i'd always wanted to do it like everybody um i didn't run it myself until um, 2007 in, let's see, what would have been the year leading into the Olympic trials that year, which were in the right. fall of 07 in right. New York City. So right. actually I had run, 
my marathon career started to really take a dive uh, after 2006. I had opened a running store in St. Louis and right. I was just, my time was very limited and I was struggling to get all the training in and do all the work. And I went to Boston and I was kind of ill-prepared in terms of um, uh, my body, you know, I was just tired. Sure. I worked an expo in St. Louis on Saturday and then flew to Boston on Sunday and then, or Friday oh, I worked the expo in St. Louis and then right. flew to Boston on Saturday and tried to race on Monday. It was just, yeah. it was a mess. I did bad. I did really, really bad. Um, but, you know, at least I got to see the course and experience it. Now, that was the year that was, if you're a Boston fan, that was the year that was the Nor'easter. Yes. So it was really nasty. Although, yep. to be fair, oh, look at my wonderful assistant here has come with a... A Scott Fogel coffee mug. Look oh, at that. Coffee here. Look we at that. Cheers now. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see this. If That's you're listening, you'll just have to imagine this wonderful Scott Fogel coffee mug. That's fantastic. Yeah, you can uh, available now on uh, nazelite.com. So um, that was my first experience running. It was 07, and it didn't go well. Uh, I ran, I think, 235 or something after basically walking the last few miles. My next question was going to be, and we're going to get into this, Kellen, uh, Taylor, and Scott Smith are running. My next question was going to be, do you think Kellen's going to be your boss? Oh, yeah, it sounds, sounds like she is. Uh, by 10 but, minutes, yeah. <laughs> we'll get, uh, that's not we'll even, get into that. That's not really a question. <laughs> um, so what else? So then uh, then I ran it again. The only time I've run a marathon, quote-unquote, for fun. Yeah. Because um, I ran the Olympic trials in 07, and that also went poorly. And then I said, okay, no more marathons. I'm done with this. And I didn't run another marathon or think about running another marathon until 2013. Uh, which, of course, unfortunately, was the Boston bombing year. Yes. Uh, but I ran it that year uh, with Greg McMillan and his staff. I was doing some marketing for Greg at the time. And we just did it for fun. And it was fun. It was fun. Again, I struggled <laughs> the last several miles. I did find it's a twenty. I did to. find a twenty dollar bill on the ground. Did you? I was, wow. and about I was. I already started walking, which I think helped me find it. Uh, this is like twenty three miles in or something. That's probably the most money ever made for marathon. Well, I remember. I, no, no, that's not true. Uh, but I remember. I remember somebody in the crowd totally seeing me do it, and I just looked at him like, well, you know. I mean, what are you gonna do? You're I'm not on gonna, the course. You're not gonna not pick it up. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I made twenty bucks. Yeah, not that's bad. pretty great. I think I walked across the line in about 305 or 308, okay. something like that. Uh, but I got a neat experience because I was definitely with, um, you know, the crowd, which was awesome. Sure, sure. At Boston, you know, in a lot of races, that sort of 240 to 310 group is kind of no man's land. Right. Uh, but in Boston, it's packed. Every, yeah. So there was tons of people. Um, I did run six-minute pace for a while, but that was a mistake. <laughs> I remember a guy in jean shorts passing me, and I was like, uh-oh, this, this is not going well. But, uh, no, it was, it was super fun. And that taught me a lot, too, because of... Excuse me, how I felt afterward. Sure. The, the 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 biggest lesson I ever got at Boston was that year, and it wasn't really from my own self, but it was from a guy I was still coaching, Adam McDowell, who I had coached in St. Louis. Yeah. He had run two seventeen at the trials in two thousand twelve, and uh, we thought that was maybe going to be it for him. But he's like, oh, I'll keep going. He moved to Louisiana. And um, he said, Well, I want to do Boston. I've always wanted to do Boston. Yeah. And when we started that segment, I did want to incorporate more downhill training. Sure. But very early on in the segment, he strained his hamstring a little bit, and then and we were and we had been doing a little downhill thing when he did it, and I was like, ah, we better not do that. So we just kind of scrapped all that downhill stuff I had yeah. planned, and he was in incredible shape, definitely better than the trials. And he was a guy like we would know exactly what he was going to run. I we we trained to run um, two nineteen or just under two nineteen when he was trying to qualify for the trials, uh -huh. and he ran two eighteen. 
50 or whatever wow. it was. And then at the trials, we thought he could run 217.30 and he ran 217.27. So, I mean, we were dialed in. And I thought he would be, you know, 216. Right. And he came across halfway, like everybody in Boston, or like so many people of all ability levels. No, came across fine. Okay. And, 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 then, and then the hills got him. Yeah. The downhills. Like yeah. his quad, he's like, Ben, I wasn't even tired, but my quads were just so shot. Um, you know, you go down this big hill from 15 to 16, right. and that's where a lot of people's race just ends, yeah. basically, because then, then you have to start going up, and you've got nothing left. And so, obviously, I'm sure you're going to ask me about that, but uh, that was a defining moment in my understanding of how to train for the Boston Marathon. Now, I haven't been able to put that into practice um, until now because for a variety of reasons, we haven't had somebody do it till now. Yeah. But but with Scott and Kellen, you know, they were really uh, ready, I think. They were at the right point in their careers to do it. And uh, so here we are. And so what year was it when you coached? When you coached? That was 13 as well. Was I was running well. for fun, but running. of course got it, got he, it, was, it. he was running seriously. And um, um, yeah, he ended up, you know, 220 or something, which was a bummer because he was in way better shape than that. But sure. that's what everybody says. Right. And that's what I learned. Right. Right. So, so it's about more than just fitness. It's yeah. about way more than yeah. just fitness. Yeah. It's really about specificity. So I, I suppose we could just start jumping in then. Sure. Start talking about more uh, specifics there. So how, well, you've got, you've got um, Steph Bruce running London in two weeks time. Correct. 13 days, I guess. Now. Yeah. Um, and then you've got you've got Scott and Kellen running Boston uh, this upcoming weekend. So or or Monday, uh, how, like look at those two. Those are very different courses. Yes. Right. So how much how much of that training overlaps and how much of that is different? Yeah, and, and of course Aaron Braun ran Rotterdam this past weekend. That's true. And you didn't ask me, and that's nice of you, but it, <laughs> it, it didn't go well. He didn't finish, um, and and I'm really sorry for Aaron, of course. And we're trying to figure that out and. Um, you know, his training went really well also. There were some things outside of training that maybe were the variables that could have caused this. Sure. But we don't know, so there's not much I can say, except that it it definitely was something weird and something that was a huge outlier because he started getting super tired at 15K, 20K, which is just way early. Yeah. And it's not like he went out over his head or anything. So um, anyway, we'll figure that out. But uh, his training and Steph's training were definitely very different because mm -hmm. Rotterdam and London are very flat. Um, you know, it's really, unless you're trying to win the race, which of course we'd love to be trying to do, but for those two, realistically, we're, it was more so, hey, let's try to be in the top 10. Right. And so it's really more about finding your pace and your rhythm yeah. and just running it the yeah. whole time. Yeah. And so a lot of the workouts were just same pace the whole time or, you know, um, uh, they were flat. You know, we were purposely trying to find sure. flat courses to train on because the races are very flat and that in and of itself is a little bit uh, of a challenge or can be because yeah. if you live in a hilly town and then you go run the Chicago Marathon right. you're not used to running 26 miles where your stride is the same right. every single step for right. 26 miles so there's always specificity there's specificity specific, it's right? just Boston is type. particularly unique yes. but but yeah so anyway the point is yes Aaron and Steph trained for their specific course and demands and right. what they're going to face and then Scott and Kellen trained for their demands which are uh, multifaceted because you have the downhills right you, you know the race has a lot of downhill early really early and then a huge downhill out of nowhere at 15 which is really weird and and different yeah. um and then of course right after that you have to go uphill net uphill for for the next four miles sure sure um or five miles and uh that's kind of weird and different and then you go downhill again right. to the finish i was gonna say uh, you gotta have wheels but, but then beyond that you know they've 
put themselves in a place where they can run in the lead pack, which means it's not going to be mile after mile of the same effort and the same right. rhythm. There's going to be pace change. There's going to be surges. Um, it could be slow and tactical. You don't know because there's no rabbits. Yeah. So you yep. are, you have to kind of be when you step to the line in Boston. If you're of their caliber, now we'll talk about everybody too, because everybody has to be ready for the hills and right. such. But if you're their caliber and you're going to be in the lead pack, you have to be ready for a race that goes out hard from the gun, which could happen. A race that goes really slow and then picks up, which could happen. Or kind of your normal Boston, where it's sort of a lead pack and people throw in a surge and test everybody and then it kind of settles back down and then it goes again and then it goes again and it just kind of goes like that until there's finally one move usually in the Newton Hills that completely breaks it up yep. and then you know you got to be super tough and you got to be able to close over those last um, four miles five miles uh, once you get over Heartbreak Hill so yeah that's what we've tried to do is prepare them for all of those things sure. which is no easy task but it's fun though I would, I, would, I would say that they've really enjoyed it, speaking for them here, because, and they've said this, because it's been different. They've both been through a lot of marathon segments with us that are more like what Aaron and Steph yeah, right. just did. And, and uh, this one was different, had different terrain, you know, different places that we ran, and the workouts were a little different. They're the same general philosophy, but um, you know, some differences that we can get into, and, and I think they really uh, responded to that very sure, well. Sure, sure. And did you, in, in preparing them for, for Boston here, you obviously had your own experience as a runner. You also had one experience coaching somebody. Were, were, was it more difficult for you as a coach to, to build this plan? Did it require more research, so to speak, or uh, more thought? It, I, mean, if, I mean, I'd like to think I always research a lot, but it, 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 was, it was fun for me, too. I yeah. guess that's how I would describe yeah. it. It was fun because... Um, I started months and months and months ago, just kind of writing the outline and then letting it sit for a little bit and then tweaking it again. And uh -huh. I watched a lot of the old Boston marathons and, um, you know, kind of scouted out. I scouted out places to run here in Flag a long time ago as well. Okay. So that I didn't want to be the week of, like, trying to find somewhere, you know. <laughs> right. So, I, I mean, before the segment even started, I had located a couple of spots that I thought would be perfect for us to do some new things. And, um, yeah, so... So it was a challenge mentally for me, but stimulating in the same way that it was for them because yeah. of the newness of it. Right, right. So let's go back then to the, the we can you can sort of generalize preparing for Boston, like you said, for sort of everyone. Yeah. The, the hills are obviously a big factor there. I, I know one workout, because I talked with Scott, um, that you did was a long run, it might have even been 26 miles, where you started up Snowball Road. Yeah. So you started with a big downhill. Yep. For those that aren't familiar, it's, uh, what do you lose there, 300, 200 feet a mile coming down from where Coming where we came from? Oh, probably. Something yeah, like that? probably, because we, we started at the four-mile mark. Okay. Four to one is really downhill, yeah. and then one to the start of Snowball is much, a little more right. gradual. So, but so, but yeah. it's similar to Boston in that sense, because you lose a lot in the first couple of miles, and then it kind of isn't as crazy right uh but but a lot of that loss is right away yeah and so but but the idea there and we did this with a couple other places too was that it's actually more dynamic than boston right uh, okay you know what sure, I'm sure like yeah, so yeah. so we'd like to and the thing from a philosophy standpoint from the very beginning what i was telling them is we're not going to do all these downhill workouts so that you can survive the downhills. Right. We're doing them so you can thrive right. on the downhills. Sure. we're doing them so you'll you because theoretically i mean and we can talk about the weather, but let's say all things being equal, you had a nice day. 
you should be able to run a PR at Boston. It's yeah. downhill for crying out loud. Yeah. You should be able to. That's a good point. You know, so that that's what we were trying to instill was that idea that, hey, we're trying to be prepared so that we can actually run faster than we would on Rotterdam or London yeah. or Chicago. Well, and I think, well, Ryan Hall's performance would, would uh, reinforce what time. you're saying. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think there was a tailwind that year, but yeah. still. Yeah, absolutely. PR. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. a lot of people have their PRs at Boston. You know, if you're if you're properly prepared. So, um, Bob Kempinen, great marathoner uh, in the '90s. You know, he ran his famous 208 there, and that was a tailwind year too. Yeah, yeah. that helps. <laughs> but but you know, who knows? it could be a tailwind. That's what I'm saying. Right, you right. Prepared. You have to be prepared for that really fast day too. Yep. And so, um, yeah, that snowball workout was one. Um, I wrote a blog on Final Surge, a par uh -huh. partner of ours, uh, called 10 Weeks to Boston, which you can check out. I think it's just finalsurge.com slash 10 Weeks to Boston. But every week, um, I wrote an update on what Scott and Kellen did the prior the week prior, and then kind of gave uh, anybody reading some tips if they were training for Boston, some things they could throw into their training uh, for the week, you know, sure. that, that would fit in, that would help prepare them for the course as well. And those are the kind of things I was writing constantly was, you know, hey, on this one, find a course that, you know, has a, a bit of a net downhill for the first part, then maybe has some uphills later on in the run. Yep. And then hopefully if you can find it, you know, if it can work out, it finishes a little bit downhill as right. well. Because that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we'll we'll get that final surge link in the in the notes for sure. those listening, so you can check that out. Um, before we st talk a little more specifically about Scott and Kellen, um, since they are your athletes and sure. they are running Boston, um, in terms of tactics, you you got into this a little bit. In yeah, terms yeah, of how yeah. That, how the Boston plays out up front. I, I think an interesting question, just by way of contrast, is to ask. Um, do you anticipate Boston, and historically has Boston been different from other, you know, U.S. majors like like Chicago or New York? Or do they all kind of have their unique ways in which they play out, unique tactics that are employed because of the particular course? Well, I mean, it's most similar to New York historically yeah. because neither has ever had rabbits. So there's always that kind of unknown factor and that the surging and different things like that. Right. Um, now Chicago recently has done away with their rabbits, but Chicago is still it's still flat. So there's still a little bit less. It's still a bit it's still a bit more predictable, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Than than Boston. Boston's very unpredictable, plus the weather, which I think is historically something you have to talk about because it can be anything from uh, pouring down rain and a headwind and freezing right to. 80 plus degrees yeah and it's been all it's been that and it's been That's everything true. in between yeah um there's oftentimes a headwind um you know it, it can be it can just be anything yeah. so uh because of that it's very very un the, the only predictable thing is that it's unpredictable <laughs> right um yeah so i think when you study the times you realize that you know if you're kind of a stat geek the race on the men's side is going to be one in 209 or 210 yeah Right. Usually. Yeah. You know, if it's a very nice day, they can get into the 208, 207. That 203 year when Ryan ran 204, that's a total outlier. That's one time. Right. So almost every time it's going to be Andy, 209, 210. Fourth, third? What was he? Ryan, when he ran 204, 58 was fourth. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah. And then the, on the women's side, recently it's it's trending a little quicker, but but... More often than not, in the past, it's more around you know 225. Now yeah. they've been going under that, um, and there, who knows? Maybe it's because you know women are 
smaller. <laughs> sure. And they can handle the downhills a little bit sure, better. When sure. they're running downhill, it's not pounding. It's They're not taking quite the pounding that 125 to 150 pound person is. That's right. They're taking the pounding of a 95 to 110 pound person. Right. So it's right. just, right? That's just obvious. So yeah. uh, maybe that's why they run a little bit faster comparatively. Comparatively. Um, or right. maybe they're just tougher and they just yeah. don't care and they just get out and push it harder than the guys. That's a good point. I, I don't know. Um, but anyway, um, that's the big difference historically is that you don't see the times up front that you see at London yeah. and Berlin and Chicago historically um, that you see, and and that you see at, at the other marathons like Rotterdam and everything like that because yeah. it's just it's 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 an equalizer I guess I would say the the course is an equalizer um, because of it's it, the way it's set up people, very very few people can. Um, just be prepared for that, especially your first time out. Right. So hopefully Scott and Kellen are benefiting from my poor results, <laughs> and uh, they'll run better, Learning much, from, much comparatively sure, better sure. than I do. So would you just say last thing in terms of tactics in the course, um, like 2014 with Meb, that that was an outlier. Him getting away sure. as early as he did. Sure. What makes it so difficult to get away? Early well, it's difficult to get away in any race. Well, that's true. You know, I don't, I don't. I, but I think, I think. What happened to him that year was a, um, it was a sort of a perfect storm. Sure. Because he hadn't, I mean, I think he had run well, but, but in the eyes of the international athletes, he hadn't really done anything in a while right. that they would respect, yeah. yeah, which allowed him to get away. If it was someone that they respected, um, they wouldn't have let that person get away. That's a good point. So that was one thing that helped him. Um, the other thing was he knew the course really well. So if anybody was going to get away and be able to control their emotions, it was going to be him. Not only because he knew the course, but also because he's just such a veteran. Sure. He just knows himself. Yeah. He was the perfect person to do it. Right. You know, for one. And then they let him go way too long for two. Um, and then the course helped him out a lot because... They actually, and I say they, I'm talking about Wilson Chibet and a couple of the other international yeah. athletes, made a great move through the Newton Hills. I mean, Chibet absolutely rolled the Newton Hills, and, and really, especially from like 25K to 30K, his split, I think, was ridiculous. And 30 to 35K was still really fast. Yeah. That whole 10K was fast. But then he got to 35K, and he was just toast. He was smoked. Yeah. He was toast, because if you think about the section that he had to just bash yeah. to get to make up that ground, it's really hard. Right. And Mev didn't have to crush that session, his section. He just had to keep basically running the same effort that he'd been running the whole time. Sure. Um, and so when it got down to the end, Wilson was actually hurting more than Mev was. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that was an interesting year. No, that's sure. an interesting... But you learned from that year. Yeah. You learned from yeah. that year, I think, for sure. Um, you learn um, that you know, if you had your choice, that's how you would run it. it is still pretty even effort. So yeah. it's no different than any other race in that. In that no, the, the splits won't be all the same. Sure. But you'd love to run it even effort, but, you know, just most people aren't going to get that opportunity. Right. If somebody tries that again, I, I just don't think that's going to work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's too just, fresh. Yeah, they're just not going to let somebody do that. So yeah. I, I don't see yeah. that happening on either side. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, well then, yeah. So again, moving towards Scott and Kellen in particular, I guess um, how they do is in part uh, contingent on the fields, yeah. on who else is running. Um, so how do you feel about 
the fields this year, and I guess how that plays. The fields are awesome. I mean, the yeah. BAA has done an amazing job. The John Hancock Group, MK Shea, and her team that puts the fields together, they did a great job because they put together what I would call a very intriguing field. Mm -hmm. um, wonderful international field on both sides. Really good athletes. Um, obviously, Karui is back. The defending champ mm -hmm. is always nice. Um, Buzanesh Deba on the women's side, Daska on the women's side, people who are really, really good. Edna Kiplagat is defending champ. So both mm -hmm. defending champs are back. And Kiplagat's one of the best female marathoners of all time. Um, so the international field is very, very solid, which I think is important because you don't want to like stack it unfairly toward the Americans or something of just because it's an American marathon. You have right. to have them earn it. Um, and they've got the American field which is incredible on the women's side and very, very good on the men's side as well. So that piques the interest of the American fan. And then, of course, they always do a good job, um, in addition to the East African athletes, of, of getting a guy like Yuki Kauchi, Kauchi on the Japanese, uh, from the Japanese side, and he's a fan favorite in Japan, but also mm -hmm, across mm -hmm. the globe. And so there's, there's a, a nice mix of people from all over the world. It has a very, very good uh, international flavor, um, plenty of good storylines, really interesting characters on both sides. You know, people that people love, and then people that maybe have some some uh, you know haters, uh, and <laughs> sure. and that's okay. That's cool too. Yeah, it makes it a real sporting event. Mm -hmm. So I love mm -hmm. I love the fields. Are you asking how how the fields are for us in particular, or just in general? Yeah, no, general. That was a good uh, overview. You obviously know the fields better than I do, um, and and better than most listeners, I'm sure. Yes. Do you think that? Um, I, I suppose one way to ask the question is, put Scott in this field this year versus, you know, a field three oh, years I, ago. Yeah, like, yeah. Relative to other years, do you feel like this is a good year to have Scott and Kellen in the race in terms of their strengths? And, yeah, I think it is. Well, well, first of all, it just seems like there's more buzz this year than mm -hmm, other years. And mm -hmm. I think that's great because that benefits everyone. Sure. And it's more eyeballs. And I think the, those two especially, they're, they're pros and they're they're veterans and they're good at like not letting that overwhelm them. In fact, using it to their advantage. Right. Um, Kellen having run so well in New York City and having had the London experience and the trials experience. So she's had plenty of big races, you yeah. know, and, and um, Scott running so well in Frankfurt last fall. It's just, I think I mentioned this at the very top, but it's, I can delve into it more, but it's just, it was the perfect time for each of them in their careers. Okay. You know, I think, I think if you try Boston too early, your legs may not be calloused enough. You know, they may not have enough lifetime miles on them. Uh, and maybe they, maybe I'm wrong, but you know, I, I think for those two, this is the right time. Okay. Um, and then they have experience, like I said, in all the big events, so that's not going to be a problem. Sure. And then I think they're to the point where they've been through enough marathon segments that they were able to then push the envelope this time. Right. Because I think in Boston, you almost need to be ready to race 30 miles. Uh-huh. You know, and so we were able to run 130 miles a week during the bulk of their marathon-specific right. segment as opposed to, you know, 120 or 115 in the past yep. like they've done. This yep. is definitely uh, far and away the most miles they've done. And that doesn't mean everything, but the fact that they were able to handle that is really promising sure. for their uh, chances. Yeah, right. Well, that you sort of uh, preempted a, a question I was going to ask, which is why why choose Scott and uh, and Kellen? Like, what among... Well, there's other things, too. Yeah, so, right. So let me tell you this. So Scott and Kellen both already liked downhills. Okay. It's not like we had to teach them to like downhills sure. or teach them how to run downhills. Now, we had to work on it and, and uh, perfect it, mm -hmm. but, but mm -hmm. they were already naturally good at it and enjoyed it. Um, 
Scott is very uh, compact. He's a very smooth and efficient runner. He lands kind of up on his midfoot, uh -huh. which is, I think, much better for downhill running than somebody who's, let's say, a heel striker, which I don't think is the death sentence by no, any no, no. But, it, but it's not great for downhill running. Right. And so he already has a good form, yeah. uh, and it, it suits downhill running well. When you watch Cohen run, it doesn't, like, scream downhill runner per se, but, but she's really good at them. And she's really strong. Strong yeah. muscles, tendons, yes. ligaments. And so um, she can handle the pounding better than most. Yeah. Um, so it was just, yeah. They, yeah. they were the two obvious choices. Sure. Not, I think there's other people on the team that, that will have success in Boston in, in, in the future. future. Yeah. But I think right now it's kind of another perfect storm. Right. It's, everything is coming together at the right time. Right, right. Um, yeah, I'll be interested to see... Well... It's too far down the line. I'll just be interested to see when that plays out for for others on the team. Yeah, well, hopefully these guys can but set the bar pretty high and yeah, get yeah. get things started. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so if uh, if things were to go extremely well for both of them, are there? What's more important to you and to them in terms of goals? Is it? Is it being top five versus running 224 for Kellen? Say? For sure, the place. It, yeah, for sure, for the, sure place. the place. I mean, 100 percent the place. Um, you know, um, that's Boston. Yeah, you know, I don't. Right. We've not talked about time much at all, the whole segment, and even even tomorrow or Thursday when I talk about the race plan with them, um, I don't. I don't know that we'll talk time very much. Yeah. Yeah. The whole idea was to get fit enough that you could run with the lead pack. Okay. And then you just bury yourself in that lead pack yeah. as much as we want to be on TV and get the Hoka singlet, <laughs> you know, uh, front and center. I can uh, see that being important. We'd much rather have that much later. Yes, yes, you know? yes. So if we're kind of hiding early on, uh, I think that'll be a good thing. Um, no, I, I, um, I think... I think they are ready to do that. Yeah. And I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. Kellen was in fourth place 22 miles into New York. So yeah. I don't think it's crazy to think that she could be in the top five that late into the Boston Marathon yep. as well. Yep. Um, now, you know, we'll see how things shake out. But, but yeah, the the idea is certainly, certainly place. Okay. Um, I, you know, and, and, and it's a lot of it is going to be them making big decisions on the fly. That's true. Really difficult decisions on the fly. I mean, there could be... A meb that tries to run away from, mm -hmm. from everybody, mm -hmm. and you know, in that scenario, Scott would have to make the same choice that everybody else made in 2014. Uh, for better or worse, he'll have to say, "Well, do I stay with the pack or do I also go?" You know, yeah, right. um, you know, he would probably stay with the pack. I mean, it, 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 the odds would tell you that the winner is going to come from the critical mass. Correct. Um, yeah. You know, if you remember that same year that you had discussed when Ryan ran so fast, Kim Smith um, had also made a break early on the women's side and they mm -hmm. had let her go as mm -hmm. well. Um, the Providence grad who, um, retired a couple years ago, but great runner. Um, and Des was in the pack with Kara and, um, you know, course of ton of international athletes and they let Kim go and they eventually did catch her. Yeah. She cramped up in the Newton Hills or, or, uh, had a problem with her leg shin maybe. Um, and they caught her around 17 or 18 miles. Okay. And then eventually that was the year Des got second. Right, right. So usually that's more likely to have sort of like a cycling race where the peloton of usually course. catches. Yeah. Um, so we want to be part of the peloton. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And um, for for from your perspective, since I am interviewing you, yeah, we should we should talk about you yeah, at least a little me. bit more. Um, what's that like as a coach? Uh, that like is that a pretty easy course? Like, is are there any situations? So Frankfurt, for example, I know sure. you were able to be on course at times. Yeah, you were able to you know 
yell at them to run faster. Or yeah, yell, run whatever faster. you yell. Run faster. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I were a coach, that's... Yeah. Well, you see the high school coaches like, just that's screaming, right. and I'm just like, I don't, think that, I don't think that gets a whole lot done. No, I try no, to be doesn't. somewhat you do, know, positive and calm and confident. Yeah, so do you have opportunities, because it's such a loud course, and there's so many people, and I mean, do you have opportunities to get to not get really in at their Boston. ear at all? Not yeah, really at okay. Boston, because A, it's too tough because it's point-to-point, Right, and you want to get back to the finish. Um, I could take the tee out to 17, but I'm not confident that I would get back in time. Okay, and I want to be watching. And the truth is, and I, I think you were just saying this, it, you, they're not going to hear you. Right, there's too many people out there. Yeah, so yeah, I'll just you know it's in their hands. <laughs> so, so it becomes a pretty. I'm just a spectator, like everybody else. Sure, once the sure. gun goes off. Okay, yeah, stressful day, but it's stressful in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's stressful. You usually, you know. The races usually do a good job of putting us up, uh, the coaches and agents, in a right. room where we can watch on a, uh -huh. on a TV and a uh, big screen. And, and uh, <laughs> man, when they're doing really well, it's it's uh, it's quite nerve-wracking. Um, like Kellen in New York yeah. and staff in New York. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was really fun, um, watching their names, like scroll across the screen sure. and everything. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll be, I'll be very... Um, stomach will be nuts internally but uh no I, it'll be fun I, I hope to be able to watch it with um josh cox their agent yeah. and then uh i know their family members are coming and i know their families after having you know hung out with them at different races sure, over the years sure. they, they were with us from the beginning so yeah that's this true is, i mean 14 15 16 17 this is the fifth year yeah. with both of them so yeah i know them very well and it's uh maybe that makes it even more special so. yeah definitely definitely so what it um maybe we'll kind of wrap things up just talking about these last uh, couple days leading up here um sure i have seen on social media uh a number of of people coaches in particular commenting on the last couple of weeks before oh, marathon. Sure. yeah uh i don't know why that has happened well but... i think it's because um they get a lot of questions this time of year yeah before. i guess that's, I, true. that's why i did yeah. i mean in that blog uh, on Final Surge, I wrote about it last week. Okay. That was kind of okay. my topic last week. And, you know, my, my, my thinking is this. First of all, and I said this in the thing as kind of a disclaimer, I'm not saying I'm 100% right, and I'm not saying that every situation is the same because it's not. Right. You, know, you could have had a setback in your training, or you could have started late, and maybe you don't need too much of a taper, quote-unquote, if you want to call it that, or, or a peak phase, whatever you want to call it. Just call it taper for now because that's the easiest to sure. do. Um, maybe you just need to go all the way up to the end, yeah. you know? And maybe there are runners that, that don't respond well to, to backing off. I, I'm sure that's possible, and I know it's possible because I've seen people do well. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it's, it's a math game, right? So, you know, it's I'm analyzing what I know, analyzing what I've seen, um, and trying to make the best choice for the athletes to put them in the best On position, basis, you know, right. to, to, to perform well. And for us, it's always done, we've always done well, especially lately because it seems like, outside of Aaron last week, which I said was an outlier, uh, we've been performing really well on the day. And not only performing, but feeling good on the day. Yeah, right. And what we've done is train really hard all the way up to two weeks out. We haven't, we've structured it and spaced it out so that we're not dying at the end of the segment and, you know, basically begging for it to be done. Right. We're feeling good. Even that, 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 that period from three weeks out to two weeks out was arguably our hardest week. Uh -huh. You know, so we're building, 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 building. And then, yeah, we back off. 
we back off. We take that day off right after that last workout two weeks out. Uh -huh. And that's just recharge. I don't think a day off is so terrible. They'll probably feel a little rusty the next day, but right. then they start feeling really good. Yep. We still run at the same pace that we always run at. Yep. We still do a couple of workouts like we would always do, and they're not way different. They're just less volume. Right. We just pull back, just the, pull volume. back the volume. So the way yeah. I explained it in the blog was, you know, they're used to running 10 or 12 miles every morning. So those become eight. Yep. You know, they're used to running six miles every no every afternoon. Those become four. Yep. Or maybe a couple afternoons we don't run. Yeah. Um, they're used to doing workouts that are 12 to 16 miles in total volume. We cut that almost in half, eight miles, you know, um, maybe six miles the week of. But it's still a workout, you know. And it's so the same process. It's, it's the same rhythm. Yeah. They stay in the same yeah. rhythm. And then, of course, the last couple of days are just very easy, you know. Yeah. And um, they usually feel really good. And I think the marathon is different. I, we actually don't do that for almost any other distance. But the marathon, because you need, because of the glycogen storage factor, exactly. yeah. you really need to be fresh and ready to go, I right. think, to last the whole time and have the energy stores you need over yep. the last 10K, 5K. Well, um, that's just proven. That's, I mean, I think so. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't so. think that's yeah. a, a topic of debate. Yeah. Although maybe. maybe and so when I'm, you know, whether it's the pro athletes or whether it's absolutely anyone running Boston or any other race, um, that's kind of how I suggest to do the taper. Take what you've been doing for the last several weeks and just shave the volume down, but right. don't shave anything else. Right. Not the pace, not the type of workouts. Don't, don't all of a sudden go out and run a set of hard quarters. If you've been doing a bunch of marathon specific stuff, sure. do another marathon specific work, but just do a little, you know, just a little less volume. Right. Um, don't eat super differently or differently at all. Really don't sleep different. I mean, just just live the same life you've been living. Right. Um, well, especially if, yeah. if you've been performing well in training, right? It's like, obviously, whatever you've been doing. Yeah, I'm kind of making the assumption that it's been a good segment. Yeah, right. You know, right. I, obviously, I can't address every single different scenario. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, if, if things have been going well and you've kind of got it down, then it shouldn't be way different. It should just be less, more of the same, but less of it. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, you guys will get up there. They go, I think they leave... They leave Thursday, Thursday, the athletes. Okay. I get up there on Friday because we have Matt Yano and Scott Falbo running the 5K on Saturday. Uh-huh. Oh, that's right. And then they have some media obligations on Friday and Saturday, but then nothing on Sunday. They'll be able to relax all day and then the race on Monday. Not that, you, not that anyone cares what I'm doing, but then I'll stay a couple, <laughs> day, I'll stay a couple days and then go to London. Right, from, 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 from there, New from York. There. Yeah. Okay, or from Boston, rather. Yeah, Correct. got it, got it, got it. And, um... Last question, because now I'm I'm curious. I feel like I keep trying to to wrap things up. And oh, that's then, all right. We can. And then you say again. something, and I yep. think I want to follow up on that. Um, so they'll get there Thursday, which would be for roughly four days yeah. before mm -hmm. they're coming from seven thousand feet sure. to sea level. Um, is that something you think too much about or worry too I much about? I used to. I, or... We used to, I should say, but but I I don't know. I think lately I just think that it's not that big of a deal yeah um that's the same time that kellen went down before new york and i anecdotally she felt like a million bucks yeah you know? so right. um i don't think it's a problem i think when you're fit you're fit and i think speaking of anecdotally all that evidence that says you know because you hear that oh well four to ten days you feel sluggish yeah but that's just anecdotal that's that's not proven sure that's just people saying i felt sluggish yeah but i'll I'll counter and say that Kellen didn't feel sluggish. So it sure. must not be universal. Right. And and I just don't think 
and again, Meb's done it, and and Nick Arciniaga, who had has had great Boston marathons uh, from coming from Flagstaff yep. on yep. that same day. On that same day, uh huh. I just don't buy it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll feel fantastic. Right. So it's more just about yeah being comfortable showing up with and, and actually to, to be honest i like it because it's tough for us this time of year because we're we're pacific coast time right now right it's tough for us to go to the east coast and race yeah, three hours um, so three hours is pretty significant yeah. so actually it's nice because they probably won't sleep all that great thursday but then they'll sleep better friday and really well on saturday which is what you want that's what you want yeah so i think it's probably for the best that, yeah. they, that they go on thursday yeah. right yeah. all right ben well um this will be your third time at Boston then? Oh, well, I've also watched a few times. In person. In person. So okay. I don't know exactly what number it is, but but it'll be my favorite. It'll be I'm your predicting favorite. predicting that, right? That's my only prediction. I'm not going to predict <laughs> how they're going to do, but I'm going to predict That'll it's going to be my favorite. So, I like that. No, I, they're, they're going to do fantastic, and I think it's going to be a really good day. The weather, if you're running Boston and watching this and looking for any tips yourself, looks uh, cool. Possible rain, possible wind, but like we said at the top, that's kind of, you should have known that from the get-go, <laughs> right. that that was a possibility. Um, and I wouldn't stress too much about looking at it every day. I would wait till you're going to leave and look at look at what it's going to be, you know, yeah. pack some rain stuff. And, you know, obviously, you know, logistically, if you're in the regular uh, mask start, you have to stay in Hopkinton for quite a, quite while, a while, Yeah, which is kind of that's a bummer. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's kind of part of the experience. Though. It is. It so is. if it looks like rain, make sure you get your poncho and all that good stuff. And I believe they donate anything that oh, you yeah. throw oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Wear old clothes, right. wear, wear, you know, get a trash bag or a poncho, um, you know, wear old sweats, whatever it is, and, and you can toss all that stuff and they'll they'll donate it to um, the Goodwill or the sure. locally or the, the um, various organizations that, that will dole those out to the less fortunate. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. Uh, if you've been listening to this and you're saying, oh, man, I didn't train for the downhills, <laughs> that's too, probably too late now. So <laughs> just don't to, try to cram You just had to deal with it. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, you just, I mean, just enjoy it. Just enjoy Boston. And honestly, that's, I want Scott and Kellen to enjoy it. Yeah, right. you know, I think I think they've earned the right to enjoy it, and, and you should enjoy, even even at their level, um, the experience because it's it's one of a kind. Yeah, it's very very cool. It is. It is indeed. Uh, well, it'll be exciting to see how they do. Thanks, man. That is for sure. All right. Um, so thanks for watching, listening, however you consumed this, and we will see you next time. All right. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Shake hands. Yeah. Buzzer off. <laughs>